Welcome to the Pearl of Great Price podcast. Thanks for joining us today. It's the 27th of May. And on this day in Christian history, we go back to the year 1917 and we travel to Rome, where today the 1917 Code of Canon Law, which is still in use today, was promulgated. The body of canon law is historically continuous from the early church to the present, and such can claim to be the oldest functioning internal legal system in Western Europe, much later than Roman law, but predating the evolution of modern European civil law traditions. Its institutions and concepts have influenced the secular law and jurisprudence in, prudence in the modern state, e.g. marriage law, the law of obligations, the doctrines of modes of property acquisition, possession, wills, legal persons, the law of criminal procedure, and the law concerning proof or evidence. International law owes its very origin to canonists and theologians, and the modern idea of the state goes back to ideas developed by medieval canonists regarding the constitution of the church. It has, as a result of doctrinal and ecclesiastic schisms, developed in differing ways, though often with similar patterns of codification and norms in the various churches that have incorporated it into their ecclesiastical frameworks. Canon law in the Western churches developed without interruption until the Reformation of the 16th century. And though other churches of Reformation rejected the canon law of the Roman Catholic Church, the Church of England retained the concept of canon law and developed its own distinct body, which has acceptance in the churches of the Anglican Communion. Canon law has functioned in the organisation of the Church's liturgy, preaching works of charity and other activities through which Christianity was established and spread in the Mediterranean area and beyond. And moreover, it has an essential role outside of the Church in the transmission of Greek and Roman jurisprudence and in the reception of Justinian law in the 6th century, when the western part of the empire was in decline, but the eastern Byzantine part was intact. Justinian law hugely impacted Europe during the Middle Ages. Because of a discontinuity that has developed between the church and the state in modern times, there is a contemporary crisis in canon law and a perceived devaluing of it even within much of the church. On a superficial level, it can be seen as a dead law i.e. law no longer held valid, and say nothing about living law. However, with a new climate of changing, safeguarding expectations and rapidly changing expectations about the professional workplace, there may be a resurgence for canon law in becoming more assertive in balancing the rights of church ministers and the duty of care for these ministers by their own authorities. There has been a growing number of religious workers looking for trade union membership to protect their interests because of a lack of confidence 
in due process and natural justice that will be followed in a dangerous climate of a growing number of historical and false allegations. Today's landmark revision by the Pope began the fourth period of canonical history, which continues until the present day. Benedict XV stated the reasons which prompted him to make the revision of canon law. As the supreme pastor of souls, who has the care of all the churches, to provide a new codification of ecclesiastical laws, and with a view to put together with order and clearness all the laws of the church thus far issued, removing those that would be recognised as abrogated or obsolete, adapting others to the necessities of the times, and enacting new ones in conformity with the present needs. This new code is sometimes referred to as the Ius Codicis, the law of the code, in comparison with the law, all the law before it, the Ius Novum, the new law. And from time to time, the Pontifical Council for Legislative Texts issues authentic interpretations regarding the code, and the Pope occasionally amends the texts of the codes. Roman canon law is a fully developed legal system with all the necessary elements, courts, lawyers, judges, a fully articulated legal code, principles of legal interpretation and coercive penalties. Although it lacks civilly binding force in most secular jurisdictions. One example where the conflict between secular and canon law occurred was in the English legal system as well as systems such as in the United States that derive from it. Here criminals could apply for the benefit of clergy. Being in holy orders, or fraudulently claiming to be, meant that criminals could opt to be tried by ecclesiastical rather than secular courts. The ecclesiastical courts were generally more lenient. The benefit of clergy was systematically removed from the English legal systems over the next 200 years. And in English law, the use of this mechanism was abolished by the Criminal Law Act in 1827. That's all for the Pearl of Great Price today. Join us tomorrow if you can, as we look at the life and the work of William Colgate. I hope you've enjoyed listening. Please subscribe and leave a comment on the blog if you have time at www.pogp.net And if you'd like to respond directly, then email the show on pogppod at gmail.com Have a lovely day wherever you are, and thanks for listening.